Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today is going to be taken from the reading we just heard in the Gospel of Mark. We begin then with a word of prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for the message of salvation which you have planted in our ears and in our hearts. Lord, that we might know of the salvation that awaits us through your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray, O Lord, that not only would we be those who faithfully hear and receive this message, but we would be those who boldly proclaim it, that your church would have a voice that would proclaim the gospel to this world. And now, Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. What is the role of the church in the world? That is the pretty big question, and I think it's really one of those questions that a lot of people have an opinion about. I would venture to guess that almost everybody has an opinion these days about what the role of the church is in the world. And I'm not just talking about Christians. I mean, I would imagine non-believers, even atheists, have a view of what the church should be doing in the world. My guess is that, generally speaking, atheists don't really see much of a role for the church in the world. They would really kind of prefer the church to just sort of go away. That would be their opinion. But I also know that there are many non-believers who do see some benefits to having a religious institution in society. After all, it's a place people can go to kind of find some therapy, have a little psychological relief. Uh, perhaps it can be there uh, to help the social ills of society by supporting soup kitchens or uh, helping the homeless or something along these lines. Uh, but at that point, they would probably say that's enough. That's all the church needs to do. They don't need to get involved really with anything else. Otherwise, they just need to really stay out of the way. Now, I would suggest to you this morning that obviously we in the church have a different view. That for us, the church, our role in society, our role in the culture and the creation, really, is to be what we might call a prophetic voice. The job of the church is to bring a prophetic message to the world. But as soon as you say that, that, that idea of being a prophet or having a prophetic message, now, that comes with a great deal of baggage. Because what does a prophet even do? What's the role of the prophet? If we look in the scriptures and we see the prophets working there, what is their responsibility in the culture? And here within the church, you're going to find a great deal of disparity and a great deal of uh, discussion or really disagreement over the role of the prophets. So before we get into this idea that the church has a prophetic role, I want to say to you today what I don't mean by that. When I say the church has a prophetic role, I don't mean that the church should look something like, I don't know, the guy I used to see out of McNichol Sports Arena after Nuggets games in the 80s. Uh, I don't know if you have ever seen these gentlemen or sometimes their ladies standing there on a soapbox with a bullhorn yelling at people. But I remember leaving back in the 80s. We'd go see the Nuggets play basketball and we would all inevitably watch them lose. And we would be leaving the game very upset and very depressed only to be more depressed when we were walking down the stairs because there was a guy yelling at us that we should be sad both about the nuggets and about the fact that we were all about to burn in hell for our immorality. Like, this is a very depressing guy. Now, don't get me wrong. The church does have a responsibility to warn the world of the coming wrath of God. But I don't, I don't know if that guy was doing it quite right. We'll talk more about it. There are those who believe that they have a prophetic voice in the culture because they get direct messages from God and God tells them really how the future is going to unfold and for them uh, to be prophetic means to have a vision of the future that God has told them about. You'll see these sorts of TV preachers right now on the television right now telling you all about how Trump's election is going to work out or something like this. 
they view the prophet's role as being um, sort of uh, soothsayers or pre future predictors. They receive special insights from God and they compare world events and they compare it with scriptures uh, that they kind of rip out of context and what they feel in their hearts is going to make them more money. Uh, that was a little cynical. Uh, and they'll tell you that. And that will be their prophecy. That, which means that if they're getting direct messages from God, if you oppose these guys, who are you really opposing? You're really opposing God. So you'd better support what they say by sending them money. Luther would say he would call these people uh, enthusiasts, that is to say they find God within themselves and not in the Scripture, and they have, as he would say, swallowed the Holy Spirit, feathers and all. I have no idea really what that means, except to say that these are false teachers that you should avoid at all costs. But there is one other group who views, there's another view, I should say, uh, that sees the church's role as having a prophetic voice in society. And this one's a little more serious, and one I think we need to pay a little bit closer attention to and consider. Because they're not just there warning of the coming wrath, and they're not there looking ridiculous trying to take your money by predicting the future in some bizarre way. For them, this group believes that the church's prophetic voice is what we might say is political in nature. And this comes from both the conservative and the liberal, the right and the left side of the church. They believe that the church's role in society is to lead the way by speaking into this or to that cause. And so the church has a responsibility, they would say, to stand against things like abortion, or gay marriage, or the sexual revolution, or racism, or communism, or capitalism, or thisism, or thatism, ism, ism, ism. All we are saying is give peace a chance. John Lennon. Anyways, the church, they would say, becomes a voice in the state, a conscience to the state, calling for moral reform. Now, if you've heard me preach and talk about such things, it might surprise you to hear that I'm not actually going to reject that idea all wholesale. I will reject the idea that the church uh, has a responsibility to be a bunch of fortune tellers of Bible verses. We should reject those charlatans. But I do think that we as the church have a responsibility to stand against all sorts of evil situations that would come along. And we do need to be proponents of a message that would stand against sinful activity that is sort of taking over the culture and becoming normalized in the culture. And we certainly do, as the church, have the responsibility to warn of God's coming wrath that is entering into this world. We heard all about that, especially uh, in the reading from 2 Peter today. We do have the responsibility to do this. We call this the preaching of the law. And it doesn't take a real sort of in-depth reading of the Old Testament prophets to find out that this is precisely what they were doing. They definitely saw that as their responsibility to call out the sins of individuals and the sins of the culture and to warn that God's wrath was coming against those things. However, if that's all we see the prophets doing and if that's all we think the church has a responsibility to do in the culture, we are coming up woefully short because the prophets and the church have an even greater responsibility. The prophetic role that we have must be taken, uh, the, the role of the prophets that we are to follow comes to us precisely from what the prophets said in the scriptures. And their job wasn't just to call out sin, but to call out sin in order to point people to the coming of Christ.
And this, I think, is how Mark introduces us today to his gospel. Uh, This is a wonderful passage that opens up the gospel of Mark, where Mark says, now this is the beginning of the gospel, or you could translate it this way, the beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And immediately, he brings to the table all the preaching of the prophets. He starts by talking about Isaiah. Isaiah, who is sort of like the chief of the writing prophets. He writes perhaps one of the most important books in all the Bible there in the Old Testament. And Isaiah is preaching about preparing the way for the coming of the Lord. And he points to one who will prepare that way. Isaiah points to this guy, John the Baptist. John the Baptist, who is really kind of the last of the Old Testament prophets in the beginning of the New Testament. As one guy uh, said this week I read, uh, he has a foot in both uh, Testaments. And that's really good. And John is described to us in terms of the prophet Elijah. You will recall Elijah being sort of the chief prophet in the Old Testament who wore funny clothes of camel hair and ate locusts and wild honey and ministered in a particular region, well, we find that John the Baptist is doing all the same stuff. And this is significant because the last of the writing prophets that we have in the Old Testament, Malachi talks about how this guy Elijah is going to come and prepare the way for the coming of Christ. So John is playing the part of that Elijah. A little bit of a Bible study there. It's a lot of stuff to take in, but it's helpful for us to recognize here that all of these prophets from the Old Testament, even up to the point of John, have all sort of culminated and built up to the coming of John, and all of them were talking about the same thing as John. They were all talking about the coming of the Messiah. They were all talking about the coming of the Lord. They all preached Jesus. John, you see, did not see his role as a social reformer. And certainly he felt it was his responsibility to preach the law of God against sin, but that, has, that was a means to an end, the end of helping people recognize their need for Christ. And so John was always pointing away from himself to the coming of the Lord. This is what he says, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I've baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John is always pointing away from himself. He's always pointing to Christ. He's like, he's like Jim in the children's messages every week, always pointing to the cross, always pointing to the coming of the Messiah. He preached a message against sin to be sure, but this was done to prepare the hearts of the people to receive Christ who would come to die for the sins of the world. What we find throughout the scriptures is that John and the prophets didn't preach a message that merely threatened hell, though they did threaten the wrath of God. Nor did John or the prophets seek mere moral reform for its own sake, as good and as important as that might be. And we certainly don't see John and the prophets predicting the future in some self-aggrandizing way to prove how much of the Holy Spirit they have so that they can take your money with their hyper-spiritualized insights. No, no, John didn't do any of that. He preached a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness that comes only from the God who sent his son to die for you. And it's in preaching this Jesus that that John and the prophets brought hope and light into a world so so filled with fear and darkness by preaching Jesus. See, the only solution we have to this sin-wrecked world, the only solution to the world's plight, the only solution even for your own sinful heart is not going to be found in moral effort or moralistic judgment or human work. It is found only in the God who sends His Son in the flesh 
to give his life as a sacrifice for sinners. The only hope of the world is Christ, Jesus, whose sandals we are not worthy to stoop down and untie, and yet decided to come down and not lord himself over us, but to be served, not to, but to serve, not to be served, to give his life as a ransom for many, to give his life as a ransom for you. You see, you are forgiven and redeemed for his sake. You and Jesus has done this for the whole world. And that, dear friends, is the message that we as the church are called to bring to the world. That's what it means for the church to have a prophetic role. Our role in this creation is, yes, to expose sins which cloud our vision and to call out sin so that the world sees its need for a Savior, but then to point to that Christ, to bring that message of forgiveness that Jesus Christ delivers, to point to Christ, the forgiver of sinners and the Savior of the world. We don't bring some new word from God that he's revealed to us in a dream in the middle of the night. The author of Hebrews speaks out against this immediately, immediately when he says, Long ago, at many times and in various ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But now in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. In other words, everything God wants you to know, everything God wants you to believe, everything God wants you to preach is found in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ who says, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. For it's not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. What better message can we as the church bring to this sin sick world see our role as a prophetic voice in the society is the exact same role that the prophets had in the old testament to call people to repent and believe the good news that jesus christ has come for you so it is our prophetic word to preach jesus christ crucified for sinners but what better message is there to proclaim what better message is there to receive so I even give it to you now. Dear saints in Christ, you are called to deliver the message that has been given to you. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. And Jesus Christ came to save you. And he's done it. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, we pray that you would save us from the distractions of this world that would prevent us from proclaiming the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Give us boldness and resolve like the prophets of old to proclaim your word without shame and without fear. Use us, Lord, as your church to deliver the good news of Jesus Christ, which brings salvation. It's in his name we pray.